This week, The Entrepreneurs is on the road. We're taking a spin around the theme of urban mobility. Long a core concern for us passionate city folk here at Monocle, the landscape's been transformed pretty significantly in recent years with the rise of electric bikes and scooters. In an increasingly crowded and lucrative marketplace, it's maybe tough for the better e-bike brands, particular newer indies, to get their voices heard. Today, we're meeting one of the founders of one of the best in this particular business, who, despite coming from a country with no real bicycle manufacturing heritage, has quietly but firmly put his bikes on the map. Ardo Kaurit is one of the three founders of Ampla. They started their e-bike journey in Estonia in 2014 as engineers and enthusiasts, building bikes as a passion play. Ardo, who was a pro motocross racer, looked at the electrics. Another founder was a veteran bike mechanic. All, though, were passionate and motivated pretty much exclusively by the simple fun of creating things together. In Estonia, as I mentioned, there weren't really any companies making bikes at any scale before. This meant no old hands from whom to seek advice, but it also meant a blank canvas. The Ampler crew didn't really ever stop to ask, how does the industry work? They started with a more fundamental and simple question, how do you make the best bike? That rigour, which the team brought to their products, they also applied to their business thinking. They didn't pore over business books, they didn't look to best practice elsewhere and try to emulate it. They simply tried to understand why something worked and worked better, and then did it. They trusted talent, and they got building. And the success of Ampler has continued to be built, component by high-quality component, on that commitment to doing better, but on something more too. Ampler, as we will hear from Ardo himself, is driven by the pursuit of making truly purposeful products. Products that deliver, maybe above all else, a smile. There isn't really a line where you could say that this is an e-bike or this is a regular bicycle. And for us, they're all just bikes. Bikes meant to be ridden every day and make their customers happy. You're listening to The Entrepreneurs with me, Tom Edwards. And my guest today is Ardo Kaurit of Ampler. Ardo, a warm welcome. Thanks for being on the programme. And let's start with... Well, maybe an introduction of sorts. What's your role in Ampler? Or maybe better, what, what was your role? Or what were the roles between you and your two other co-founders going back to the start? We all started as, as engineers, really deeply into the product side of things. And I was mostly responsible from, for the electrical side of the electrical bike. But yeah, now then moved a bit further and we had to uh, share and divide responsibilities. And now I'm more on a management side of things. Great. Well, yeah, and actually, we'll talk a bit more about how your role, I guess, has changed and evolved over time. But I wanted to go back to the start in 2014. As you said, you and your other founders, different backgrounds, but obviously shared passions, which is important. And that was really my first question, Ardo. Was it a simple passion play at the beginning? Obviously, it's become something maybe bigger than you guys ever imagined. I don't know. We can talk about that. But when you got started, was it just that you felt this shared passion? You wanted to see what you could do with it? It was fun almost before it was serious. Is is that fair? I think it described it very well. It definitely wasn't the idea that, hey, let's start a business and let's get rich. Or even it wasn't not about uh, improving the world for better. But it was just three engineers having this kind of excitement around a product they didn't know about much yet. 
but they were just so curious. And I think the backgrounds here uh, also play a big part. We were friends long before Ampler. So me and Hannes, uh, we were classmates in high school for many years. And me and Dreit, the third founder, uh, we were living in the same village. And we had already had some projects that we shared. And we did spend a lot of time in a garage, like welding stuff and uh, just building stuff, basically. And when the bike popped up, then I was at the time professional motocross racer. So I was already spending a lot of time in a garage and I knew quite a bit about mechanical engineering, electronical engineering and like how vehicles in general work. And Hannes, the second founder, he was already experienced bike mechanic. So he had been working for eight years already in a bike shop. He was also riding BMX by himself and also from this eagerness of what he had for bikes then. He knew a lot about bicycles and if we three of us put all our kind of perspectives together then I think we had a pretty good team that knew quite a bit about different topics that are important to build one really good electric bike. What seems amazing to me is that from that start where it was a bit of a passion play as you said three friends almost you know just experimenting trying stuff out quite quickly it became apparent plainly to the three of you that you had something that was pretty special. What was it about the prototypes that you made and those early tinkerings that made you realise, do you know what, this is actually better than what's out there? Was it that it, I don't know, it was uh, better sort of operationally? Was it something more fundamental about how to apply e-thinking to bikes? Was it the fact that you started with a blank canvas? You, You didn't bring any existing experience of trying to make e-bikes why was it so quick that you realized you had something special on your hands it was a mix of different important aspects from that and i think first of all like when did it became really special was that none of us had actually even tried an e-bike so we didn't know what it feels and we got into deep into like learning on how to build one and when it got ready i think already during that process we went quite deep and we actually were sourcing really high quality components and things that would be kind of the best of the best. And when the bike got running, somehow it was even more special than we imagined it to be. So it really felt that it felt like flying on a bike. And it even to some extent was weird that I was also thinking by myself that I'm racing like 60 horsepower motorcycles five days a week and they go really fast uh, and they're really powerful. And then there's this quiet lightweight bike that only has like 250 watts of power and it's still so exciting to ride one and then we saw ourselves we saw our friends family members on the bike just smiling and then i think that was what really pushed us to go further and after that we took our journey from estonia to germany we went to visit one of the largest bicycle fairs in the world the eurobike We also, of course, took our bikes with us, not to really exhibit them, but just to have them with us. And then we had the chance to ride other bikes from various places of the world. And we were actually quite amazed that the bike we had built just from our way of logical thinking, that it was riding really well and it was relatively lightweight. And so we felt really that we could be hard to beat, actually, if we put even more energy into that. And like you mentioned, I think coming from Estonia where a bicycle industry as such has never existed properly. Um, There are almost no companies before us who did on uh, any kind of like 
mass vol volumes of bikes. So in a way it was hard because we didn't have a lot of people to ask advice from, but at the same time, it really gave us a blank sheet of paper to start from zero. And I think that has played a big part uh, in the journey of Ampla that we didn't have this kind of idea stuck in my mind how the industry works. And we started by ourselves going in a direction which we felt would be needed to build the best bike. And also the fact that I think still there are a lot of like companies which are either really good in bicycles or they are either really good at, let's say, electrical drives. But there's quite a few of them only which are decently good at both of them. And I felt that we hit actually a pretty good balance, even within the core team, to share a lot of a lot of like expertise. I would say a lot of, but yeah, we had the baseline needed to start growing from there. And we were super eager to learn and test and try. And uh, also without knowing the borders, so to speak, then I think we were crossing them quite often. I also think that we've always been quite picky towards ourselves as well, or let's say harsh. And that has led us to quite a many challenges as well. But we've often gone the extra mile to achieve something that would be towards our expectations or matching our expectations. And the early years definitely meant that we always started to do a lot of stuff ourselves because the components that you could find from off the shelf or like directly from suppliers, they didn't really yeah, match our expectations, I would say. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I love what you said, this idea that if you're not really aware of what the borders are, you cross them with greater ease. I mean, I think that's so important and will resonate with so many of our listeners, maybe who have also started their own businesses. Ardo, I did want to ask you a bit more about the sort of cultural, the, the business cultural aspect of Estonia, because it's interesting. You've mentioned there quite specifically this sort of can-do attitude. And, you know, reading around, reading other testimonials from people who've started businesses there, there seems to be this incredible shared or a collective will to make these things happen. And it comes from obviously certain government initiatives. There's a good thriving scene, which is helped by various kind of incentivized economic things. But there seems to be a, a broader cultural will, a political will almost, a trust. And it seems to cross over between private and public. Can you really feel that? And do you feel that as obviously Ampla has grown in scale, that's been driven by or facilitated by its roots in Estonia? I do. I think what I just shared about the kind of product thinking of ours, I think that also applies to our business thinking that we didn't have actual experience about how to run a business or how to build a business. So we've used a lot of kind of common sense in our heads on how to just do things without reading too many books or not having too much of structure around us. I would like to believe that has led us to a good direction where we have a lot of control over the way we do things. If we feel that something doesn't work, we just change it. And we always try to also avoid copying things for the sake of that this is how others do it. But we always try to understand why something works and then only then maybe try to implement or replicate something. Actually, it is quite of what you can talk about Estonia as well, that a lot of people had to start the same way, uh, maybe like 20 years ago, 
because Estonia was kind of left behind and when we were able to regain independence then there was not much around of a structure or expertise or experience so it was just about talented people starting to be entrepreneurs and start to build things and find our way what would work for us and for our country as well another thing is that i think this movement and we've had a lot of success as a country it also comes to the like public sector being maybe the same way actually because they also started from scratch so there wasn't this kind of old systems in place and then you you could start already with the most modern tools or technologies available so that has helped and now after a lot of success stories from Estonia like Skype and Transferwise or Pipe Tribe then you have this massive group of still quite young people who have gone through the tough journey of like building big companies and uh, building the culture and like figuring out things that were never figured out before and these people now also have a lot of money from this early success stories and they are literally pouring this money back to the ecosystem so they are giving good advice founding like investment funds to even boost this economy or like the startup community even more and I believe that it's going to work really well and it has worked really well over the last let's say 10-15 years. For sure. So that's a bit of the kind of background. By then what 2016 or spring of 2016 then you guys realized that this was going to be a going concern and it turned from an idea something that was sort of worked in the abstract into something very real. When you decided to get out there actually get this thing take it to market raise money raise profile what were the objectives in business terms did you already think look we can change the whole narrative around e-bikes around how people engage with their cities how urban mobility works was it that ambitious or at that stage were you just like let's take these things to market because we think there is a market for them I think yeah rather the second option we still are and at 2016 we were so obsessed with the bikes we kind of designed the bikes to be our bikes in a way that we would be wanting to ride them to be proud of riding them and everything else was just tied to that perspective that yeah we have really really cool bikes and we always started to kind of believe more that there are a lot of other people in the world who would think the same that they would like a bike for their daily commutes be something that's nice to look at uh, something that's lightweight really user friendly and reliable and sustainably built as well and so all of these things uh, started from this when we launched the bikes on indiegogo early 2016 we didn't know too much what's going to happen of course we were wishing that we're going to sell a lot of them but i think the actual the journey started also that we started to gain even more confidence started to get more feedback from the customers and then step by step we really started to believe even more that the things we are doing they are quite unique and they do have a big purpose to play and we could actually influence how people commute and we could actually influence how cities will develop or we could actually influence how even our competition should change the way they do things so i think it was kind of growing from there i would even say that to some extent we of course we are kind of discussing ambitious goals as well but 
it's also been quite a bit learning by doing and taking the most of the resources we have and then then taking the next step so step by step by step and also avoiding going too fast and that's also been part of our kind of strategy that we would like to grow sustainably also business-wise that we would find a good balance between seizing the opportunities and growing fast and at the same time at least having the feeling that we are more or less in control of what's happening and maintaining a, a really high team culture and that it would be also fun and enjoyable learning development for everyone. So the short answer is it was rather more a step-by-step growth for us during these early years, but it's still a fast one. Absolutely. And I think there's something pleasingly, uh, there's a sort of metaphor about this sustainability, both for the environment and for the practice of the business, which I think is really interesting that you draw those two things together, because I think that overlay explains a great deal about the success of, of Ampler as I see it. And just on that sustainability point, though, Otto, it's interesting because I guess the conversation around sustainability, particularly in e-mobility and in things which are about reframing the way people engage with their cities and with the way they get around, just since 2016, that narrative has changed so much. Were you aware at that point, you, you said you wanted to do things sustainably. I guess you're talking about how you're sourcing the products and creating them. But did you always understand how important that idea about true sustainability, not greenwashing, really meaning it, how important that would become? Again, I would be honest to say that we didn't. And it's been also a huge learning curve in terms of sustainable thinking, even though I think we had a really strong baseline as persons, as founders, like being caring in general towards people and towards the environment and just having this mindset that we have to do good, things for good. In the beginning, it was also more about the product itself. There was this kind of a slight, I know, disappointment about a lot of the products that are in the world that are just for profit and not really for the purpose. And when we were designing our bikes, we really focused on how to build products that are purposeful, how to make them reliable. So if anyone would actually buy an ampler for themselves and they would actually ride it every day, then we would like the product to really just be exciting and just work and even surprise the users how well something could work and then it started growing from there we started to understand also more about the emissions that come from different materials what is the impact as ample as operational unit but i think a strong focus has also always been on having a bigger impact on our customers lives for example even the reliability aspect we really want the bikes to be reliable and i think that's a great way of making a product more sustainable by just making the lifetime of of a product longer which is often a huge problem for many products in the world that they just don't last too much or they are hard to repair or they're too expensive to repair or uh, different kind of blockers it's definitely been a learning curve and i actually believe that ampler is doing quite good in in most of the aspects but i also believe that we still have a lot to learn and a lot to develop too Well, yeah, let's talk about development. Let's talk about product, because I'm aware that sometimes I have these conversations and I spend so much time 
grilling founders about their business approach that sometimes we don't reflect enough on the products. And you keep saying, Otto, you know, you and your friends and founders wanted to make something that you loved, that you were proud to ride. And these bikes are incredible. Let's talk a bit about the products, because if people don't know, I encourage them to find out more. But these are lightweight e-bikes. They have a hidden battery. They and I mean this as the, as, a, as the most compliment I can. They don't look like e-bikes. They look like great city bikes. You said earlier, oh, you know, at the beginning, we were just obsessed with the product. You're still obsessed, though, right? And tell us a bit about some of the newer initiatives. I know you've got a new slate of tweaks to some of the models that people will already know and some other new ones coming. Are you still as enthused by the product as you were at the beginning? We definitely are. I think that's something that's still connecting a lot of people at Ampler is the love towards the products and uh, the winter in Estonia is quite harsh and I also have now two kids and I, I have to say that during winter I haven't been riding or cycling too much and now just it went the last couple of weeks it has been quite good weather here and I got one uh, new generation uh, bike to test for myself as well and I just were riding it and I was just smiling and thinking that hey like it really is worth like riding every day because it's just so much fun. And you know, even I kind of forget how much fun it is to ride the bikes. I think the purposefulness is the core of these things. Uh, but also when we started, then the biggest blockers in our opinion were that most of the e-bikes, they were not looking really good, not to say even ugly. And then they were super heavy and at the same time also quite expensive. And you could really feel how the bicycle part and the electrical tri-part, they were kind of from two different worlds and they were just tried to like press together somehow. When we started designing the ampler bikes after of course like many prototypes of weird different kind of bikes, then we didn't start with the idea that let's make a great e-bike, but it was always about just the best bike for your everyday commutes. For everyday commutes, a small electric motor would help you a lot. So it was integrating everything together right from the start, doing it in a way on how to not compromise the good things that cycling has and how to make it even better by the modern technologies. If we talk about the second generation of Ampler, which uh, we just launched a few weeks ago, then it's another big step in the direction we've always wanted to be so the bikes are even better put together even more tightly integrated so there there isn't really a line where you could say that this is an e-bike or this is a regular bicycle and for us they're all just bikes bikes meant to be ridden every day and make their customers happy that's an excellent notion, which I like a great deal. Let me ask you a bit more then about the e-bike, the whole sector. Do you think that you, I don't know if, how it works in terms of volumes, but do you consider yourself, Ardo, you and your co-founders to be then a market leader in terms of the sector that you're looking at? You, it certainly looks that way to me, but I, I wonder from the inside, do you consider yourself as a market leader? Does there need to be one? And I wonder how much space will there be as presumably, you know, more entrants, especially maybe other smaller independent players might say, look at this great brand. We could try and do something like that. Is there space to accommodate smaller kind of challenger brands in that way? I've never really thought about the fact 
or the question even like is an ampler market leader and if i would have to like answer it from the bat then i would say we are not we are still really a small player in a big market as an example in 2020 two million units of e-bikes were sold in germany alone and we contributed five thousand of them so it's just a tiny fraction of the big market and of course, if I think about the technologies and kind of our direction and the values, and then I am proud where Ampler stands. I do believe that for a lot of people, we are the best bikes out there. And I also believe it, it is this way. But I also think that there is still so much room to grow, especially if we talk about volume. I think the current broader situation with, let's say, micromobility is that I think there's so much room to grow that there is definitely room for new brands to step up and to find their way, to find their own niche. And I think e-scooters or shared bikes or e-bikes or even electric motorcycles or whatever it is, I think we are not really competing towards each other so much right now, but we are rather competing about how to raise general awareness of these new ways of moving, how to change the cities, how to change people's behavior and all of that. And I think there's still so much room to grow and so many people in the world who don't know much, who haven't experienced any of these modes. So I think this is the bigger challenge. Of course, we all are kind of looking what other companies in the same space do as well. But it's definitely not our focus to find ways on how do we beat them, because I think it's about a bigger purpose than that. Absolutely. Well, if we look a little bit further ahead, perhaps finally, Otto, it's hard to believe the story. You know, you guys have packed so much in and you've managed to deliver so much innovation and refine so many of those initial ideas in in what, less than a decade. It's hard to believe it's it's gone that quickly. If we were, say, to catch up again in, I don't know, five years. I hope we speak sooner than that. But let's say we're, we're talking in 2027, 20, 2028. 20, Where do you hope to be at, both in terms of that bigger picture about refinements and improvements to open mobility and also as ampler? How, how ambitious are you? What, what are the limits? Is it how ambitious you and your co-founders are? Or are there practical concerns? Do you want to be in more markets? I notice you have more showrooms, bricks and mortar showrooms. Will they be in more countries? Will we have one in London? Let's hope so. <laughs> where, where will we be at if we, if we catch up in a few years' time? The bigger goal for ampler, something that we feel that we are contributing to, is having like zero emission commuting for everyone in the world. And we know that it, it is something that's so ambitious that it's not something that we're going to achieve alone. But I believe that by contributing here and there, by building better products and like all the evolving process, then we might be able to inspire other companies and just other people to pursue the same goals. And where are we exactly in five years? Of course, it is hard to say. I would like to believe that there are way more people riding bikes every day that would also make the impact bigger, inspire even more people. In terms of like the brand and the products, I would like to see that a lot of people would think that Ampler really is the smartest way of getting around. And if people think about how, yeah, what is the reasonable way to, let's say, move in a big city, whether it's London or Berlin or, or something else, that it, they think that, hey, it's probably Ampler. 
So that would be really, really awesome. And from a more practical perspective is then we haven't been very super ambitious in terms of geographical growth. We've always wanted to take it somewhat slower to make sure that the markets we are active in, we know that we are giving the best experience for our customers. And that means that you have to do a lot of things, actually. You have to have the service network and, and a showroom, and you have to speak their languages, and you have to have their own specific payment methods, and you have to kind of make them accessible for them. And I think that if we do it too fast, then we actually fail to deliver that experience to our customers. But of course, the goal is also to speed up in general. We have been doubling the amount of bikes we sell every year. We had a rough year last year due to a lot of supply issues, but that's been the general goal. And I see that goal being still valid for upcoming years as well. So um, five years, a lot of bikes, a lot of people know what Ampla is and they think that this is the smartest way of moving. Would be fun. Ampla's founder and CEO, Ardo Kaurit. You can find out more and get a little sense of the two-wheel joy and fun that Ardo's been talking about by heading to amplabikes.com. My thanks to Jack Dewars for mixing and editing this week's programme. And of course, thanks once again to Ardo and all the team at Ampla. You can listen again and find out more about the entrepreneurs at monocle.com or follow the show and catch up with the archive via your preferred podcast platform. I'm Tom Edwards. Goodbye for now, and thanks for listening to The Entrepreneurs.